But this is part three of our study, and I can't go over the other two parts because they were an hour each, and we can't go over the other two parts, or you'll be here to midnight by the time we get finished or after. I ask you to bear with me. I'm going to do a quick, brief recap, but if you need to know more, you can go onto our Facebook page or you can go to uh, YouTube and you can find them on there also. Will you turn to the scriptures with me, please? And will you find the book of Daniel? In Daniel chapter 2, we are briefly going to look at it, but it's very, very, very important for the basis of our meeting and for our previous two nights. Daniel chapter 2. And then we will go later to Daniel chapter 7. Time willing, we may need one more night. I'm hoping to get finished because I don't want to tax you. But when I see so many out, I see the interest in the subject. I don't want to tax you. And I'll be honest, <laughs> I know it, but trying to get it down where it's, it's teachable and people can understand it where there's so much information that it is apologetic in the sense of, of Scripture, it's, it can be quite difficult when you're at this side of it. And so hence we have some PowerPoint for you, uh, just the odd picture to give you a visual. If you can remember that this evening, no matter what I say about whom I say it, uh, I am not here to offend anyone. Let me tell you whether you come from one side of the political divide or the other, or the religious divide on, or another I'm not here to sow someone into hate, but rather into love. And that you will realize if you are not saved, no matter whether you say you're a Protestant or a Roman Catholic or a Muslim or a Jew or whoever you may say that you are, the Scriptures distinctly tell us that only the saved of God will enter the kingdom of God. I want you to know that, and we can only be saved by fully, completely, totally and uniquely trusting in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, in his finished work at Calvary's cross. And it's only there that we can find forgiveness of sin. And only in that, adding nothing else to the cross work, the finished cross work of Christ. I want to make that clear because I might be a little misunderstood at times. Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. While you're looking that up, I'm going to get my first drink of the evening. By the time I'm finished, I might need a bigger glass. Let's just read a few verses. Verse 31. Thou, O king, sawest. And behold, a great image, this great image whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and arms of silver, his belly and thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay, till thou sawest, till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became great, a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream. And we will tell thee the interpretation thereof before the king. 
Thou, O King, art a King of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And, so, and wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of heaven hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. Now, briefly, the story is that Daniel is in Babylon. We'll look briefly at it in a moment, but the southern kingdom of the house of Judah, that's where we get the derivative name later, Jew, from. They're carried away by Nebuchadnezzar and his armies into Babylon, eastward, across. They actually go around the, the very area where Abraham came from, round by the Euphrates River and across into Babylon, and even a little further uh, east than that. But nevertheless, they are now in Babylon, so we read of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and all those stories you read in the Bible. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has a dream. And no one can tell him the dream nor interpret it. And so they send for Daniel, this young Judahite. And he comes in and he goes and seeks the face of God and he hears what the dream is that God has given to Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel comes in and we have read from verse 31, here is the dream that you've dreamt, Nebuchadnezzar, and he sees an image, an image that has a golden head and other metals following down. We're going to show you that image again. If we can just turn to it, please, Andrew. And here is an artist's impression of the image that was seen. Let, me just, let us just get to it. The first one, please. Thank you. The very first one. And so he sees this image, and he says to, Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, Thou art this head of gold. Then if you read into the chapter, we'll not read into it. We've already went through it. He starts then to dissect what he means by this. He says, another kingdom will come that's inferior to you. Inferior to gold is silver. Notice two arms on the chest or the breast of silver. And along would come the Medo-Persian army and overthrow Nebuchadnezzar's, well, his, his grandson. We'll maybe look at it in a moment. And so the Silver is the Medo-Persians that come after Babylon. So now we're starting to move through time. If you can remember that, we're coming from away B.C., around 700 B.C. Just trying to think of that off the top of my head. So around 700 B.C., then this kingdom takes over the Medo-Persian king. And then after that, he sees this man has a a belly or a midriff of, of brass. Here it is. And this becomes a next kingdom that would take over, the silver kingdom. This would be uh, Alexander the Great and the Grecian Empire. And then after that would come this leg, these legs of iron. And these legs of iron would become the pagan Roman Empire. The pagan Roman Empire was, uh, you hear of all the Caesars and so on. So that's the legs of iron. Now, notice the metals because this theme goes right through Scripture until the very second coming of Christ. Notice the very metals. Notice the gold, the silver, and the bronze, or the brass, and then we have the, the legs of iron. Now, notice here we have then, if you read on, it speaks of the feet thereof were part of iron and part of clay. 
part of iron and part of clay is bringing us further towards the day that we, are, we were living in. And we are living now in the time of the feet of iron and the part of clay. That's when you and I are living. And we know that because Daniel tells us that there's a stone that's cut out without hands. That means it's not created by man, but this stone smashes the image on its feet. And all of these metals have run down, the theme of them have run the whole way down into the feet and the clay. And so they're all smashed together. Now notice this. The feet of iron and clay, the iron was pagan Rome. The feet of iron and clay become papal Rome. And then it develops into a new world order. You'll find it in the European Union. We're going to show you that later. We're going to show you this is all conglomerating together for the second coming of Christ. This stone that is cut out without hands, or we find it in uh, Daniel chapter 2 and verse 45. You can read 44, but verse 45 at the moment. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and it break in pieces the iron. Notice the metals, the iron and the brass and the clay and the silver and the gold. The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. The dream is certain. The interpretation is sure, he says. So now we see the stone cut out without hands. Pardon me. It's here. It is the kingdom of Christ that is to come. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This kingdom is down throughout these mountains. It starts through the head of gold. And it comes from Abraham called out of the earth of the Chaldees. Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to the twelve sons to the twelve tribes to Judah. After that comes the word Jew or the derivative Jews out of that. Then we have the separating of the kingdoms. Now we have showed you this before. Let me just try and find it back here. Israel way before this becomes two kingdoms. We went through this. And here is the house of Israel. This becomes the ten tribes in the north. Here is the two tribes with some of Levi in the south. The south is where Jerusalem is the headquarters or the, the capital city. Samaria is the capital city with the kings like Ahab, married to Jezebel, and so on. To the northern kingdom of the house of Israel, we looked at it, they become two sticks, two sons throughout scriptures, two daughters. And so the prophets are speaking to these. Hosea speaks to them. Amos speaks to them. Elijah speaks to them. Elisha speaks to them. And it isn't even to all of Israel. They speak directly to the northern kingdom. Then Isaiah comes and speaks to both of them. And we can go on and go on and go on. The Lord, for their sin, carries away the house of Israel. There is their deportation. They come up through the Caucasus Mountains and they go westward. Now notice this. Here is the house of Judah. This is at least 500 miles here. And there's also 120 years from the carrying away of the house of Israel to the carrying away of the house of Judah. 120 years at least has passed between those deportations. And then in this captivity is when we read our story. We read of this. The house of Israel are gone. Remember, remember these names? Visigoths, Lombards, Burgundians, Franks. They become known as Saxons. Notice the Alemanni, the Heruli, the Ostrogoths, the Vandals, the Sueve, 
Notice those names because they're very important when it comes into history of the pagan Roman Empire or till the legs of iron in time. Is everybody with me okay now? Okay, I'm trying to do it as best as I can for you. It's easy when you have it all in your head and you've studied it for years, but trying to get it over to the people. So in the time of the head of gold, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar lets it go to his head. And what happens is, is in the, in the next chapter, Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar sets up a golden idol, and everyone has to worship it at the sound of the music. And of course, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, don't they end up in the fiery furnace? We know the story. In Daniel chapter 4, the Lord takes a dealing with him because of his arrogance before God, and he ends up eating grass like an animal. He ends up with his hair like matted feathers, or matted hair like feathers. And then the Lord... Uh, brings him back again, as it were. He talks about a little stump. He likens him onto a tree, and he says, look, he's like a stump here, but God's plan had to come to pass. He says, cut it down, but don't uproot the stump, because the gold, the head of gold, the Babylonian kingdom, remember the name, the Babylonian kingdom, had to remain until this day. But it changes in form. That's where we need people to realize where we are in the year 2018. Notice, so he says, don't pull up by the root, but let the stump go. Let it grow. And Stumpy returned a little later on. And Nebuchadnezzar got better after seven years. He then became back to his throne. Now, in Daniel chapter 5, will you turn with me? Belshazzar the king makes a feast and he takes the gold out of the temple of Jerusalem, that which was laid aside by his grandfather, it says his father is probably his grandfather. It's just they called him father. And so here he has a feast and he gets all his men around and he brings all the princes in and they have a great party with the vessels from the temple in Jerusalem. Look at verse 4. And they drank wine and praised the gods of what? Gold. And of silver and of brass and of iron, of wood and of stone. So now that's an ecumenical movement. They're starting to praise all sorts of gods. They always did, but they're now praising them except for the one true living God. The handwriting comes on the wall. God shows a manifestation of his hand and he writes upon against the plaster off the wall. Let your eye run down to verse 25. This is what it writes. This is the writing that was written. Mini, mini, tikel, euphorsin. This is the interpretation of the thing. Mini, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tikel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. You see where you are now? The head of gold is finished. Now the silver kingdom is the Medes and the Persians. And the Lord says it's now given over to them. The Babylonian Empire would not be known as the Babylonian Empire anymore, but yet it's still the same mystery religions and so on. In point of fact, when the, 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 the princes, if you want, and the, the soothsayers, maybe is a better word, of Babylon heard that the Medo-Persians were coming, this is what they did. They ran and they went to a place called Pergamos. Now, Pergamos you'll find is over toward Turkey. 
And you'll find the Lord Jesus, the risen Christ, writes to John in the book of Revelation. And he says, I know where Satan's seat is. And it's in Pergamos. Now, what happened was these, these uh, wizards, if you want, and uh, these uh, mystery art uh, religionists, they took all of that and they went to King Atlas III. King Atlas III. And King Atlas III welcomed them in and took on their mystery religions and they set up temples for gods like Zeus. We're going to look at Zeus in a minute. It's very important. And they set up and they had mystery religions coming from Babylon there. And when King Atlas III died, Jesus said, this is where Satan's seat is. When King Atlas III died, he bequeathed all of his titles to the Caesars of Rome of the iron, legs of iron. Okay? Now listen. When he bequeathed them, what was one of his titles that he had given over? There's quite a few others. Here's one you'll recognize. Pontifax Maximus. Come from Babylon. It's where Satan's seat is now. Pontifax Maximus is given to the Caesars of Rome. So the Caesars in Rome now take on the title, I am Pontifax Maximus. Pontifax Maximus means bridge builder, way to God. So now the Roman Caesars are as though they are gods on earth. That's why Paul, he says there is only one Lord and one G Lord Jesus Christ. And him saying that, he says Caesar is not God. Jesus is God. And that's the reason why they were saying these things. That's the reason why many early Christians were put to death. So now we have, here if you want to turn over, I'll tell you what, let the right run down just in chapter uh, 5 while we're here. And look at what it says in verse 29. Then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his, about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. And that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain. Notice that night. Darius the Mede, Median, took the kingdom about being about three score and two years old. Darius comes along and he's 62 years of age and he is one of the Medo-Persians. So remember, silver, two arms. Medo-Persia, Medo-Persia. Now Medo-Persia is a coalition government. The Medes and the leader of the Persians. And the leader of the Persians was called Cyrus. We looked at that last week too. It's called Cyrus the Persian. So let's arrive then, if you will. Let's go to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel's a wonderful book. Remember, Daniel is told to shut up all of this. It's not for now. Shut it up, he said, the Lord says, or the angel tells him. And in the book of Revelation is the other end of the bookends, if you want. They're like two bookends. In the book of Revelation, John is told to open it up, reveal it now, because now is the time. The, the, uh, he says, these things have I signified unto my servant. And the word signified is really signified. They're in codes. And we're going to look how God gave it in codes. Some people say, no, it's a literal interpretation. Well, listen, we're going to look at a woman who sits in seven hills. How can that be literal? Either that or she's... <laughs> she's been at the pantry too much in the fridge. You know what I'm saying? It's impossible. It's impossible. So Daniel chapter 7, 
In verse 1, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. The visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, four winds of heaven, of the heavens strove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea. Very, very important. Note that, because that's in the book of Revelation. But we need to examine this and say, what sea? What does that mean? So they come up out of the sea, diverse or different one from another. The first was like a lion and had an eagle's wings. And I beheld till the wings were thereof plucked. And it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear. And it raised up itself on one side and had three ribs in the mouth of it, between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. And after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth that devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. I beheld till the thrones were cast down. Notice, till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow and his hair of his head like wool. His throne was like a fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. Now notice what he sees. This is what Nebuchadnezzar sees in his dream. Daniel is given a dream then by God. This is what he sees. This is what he sees. These beasts, obviously these are artist's impressions. Look, the lion. We looked at that in great detail last week. Here's the way it reads, to put it plainly and simply. This lion with the wings is the head of gold. This bear, lopsided, with the ribs in his mouth is the Medo-Persian of the arms of silver. Here the forehead of leopard and the wings is the Grecian Empire. And this beast that it's, you can't work it out what it is with all of these horns is the legs of iron running right down into the iron and the clay. Right to where we are today. So literally, this beast is where you are today. This beast is where you and I are in the year 2018. So here's some things that we really have to take note of. Just let me get my place because I've so much here to, to try and get through. In Belshazzar's feast, we find that the Lord said, tonight your kingdom will fall. That night it happened. The Lord Jesus, by the way, mentions about a man who pulls down his barns to build bigger and says, I will say to my soul, so take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. And the Lord says, thy fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And in the same manner that happened in the kingdom of Babylon to 
the Medo-Persians. Now, the, the next kingdom, though, of the, the, pardon me, the, the Medo-Persians, if you look at it and these, this, these things here, look, we talked about that last week. This is the Babylonian lion with the wings. Can't go into that again. But the bear, the slap-sided, is the same. Look, silver with two arms. The bear that slap-sided, it means coalition government. Coalition government. I'm just going to say it anyway. Doesn't it show you that coalition government doesn't work? There has to be true government. Doesn't it show you? Now you may say, what is the, the ribs that's in its mouth? Okay. When the, when the Medo-Persian uh, coalition government came, they plucked up uh, three countries automatically. One was Egypt. The other was Lydia. And the third was Babylon, the head of gold. And they started to expand and they took over. So three ribs were the, the three kingdoms that they plucked up. And that's in their mouth. It's lopsided like the two arms because it is a coalition government. Now, what I want to do is I want to move on quickly because remember, there's an awful lot to get through. Here we have the four heads or the third kingdom. Um, The leopard, it says, Daniel 7 and verse 6, he sees a leopard which had upon the back of it four wings of a fire, and the beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. As I said last week, I don't, I, the amount of people that say, oh, they try and guess what country this is today, and they try and guess this is such and such, the Bible tells you plain and straight, and history has already proven it. Let me just break this down for you. The leopard speaks of swiftness and of strength, okay? Swiftness and strength. Now, notice this. Alexander the Great, in his conquest, which is here, the, the brass, and this represented here. This is how man sees himself. I'm not a sinner. This is how man sees himself. I don't need saved. This is how man sees himself. Sure, I'm all right as I am, but this is how God sees us, full of sin, wickedness. Notice here, these, these heads, and we want to look at these wings. The, the leopard speaks of swiftness and strength. And Alexander the Great was a young man. He, he died at the age of 32. Yet his empire stretched from beyond the Indus River. Now, if you go to the Indus Valley, you'll find this between where Pakistan and India is now. So that was India. Now, he pushed on down past that, and he came right across to the Adriatic Sea. So it was a great empire, and he managed to conquer it all inside 10 years. Now, you might say that's long, but 10 years when there's no uh, trains and there's no aeroplanes, and it's all by horse or camel or whatever way they traveled. So it's very, very quick. And notice what it says here of his dominion, that dominion was given to it. Now, he comes up against Cyrus, we had Darius, the one arm. Cyrus is the next arm, the lopsided government. Cyrus, the Persian. 
He comes up against Cyrus the Persian. And it said that Cyrus in the, in the Medo-Persian kingdom had maybe up to 35 million people in the kingdom. And a small army. Well, it's big maybe, but it's small in the sense of all of those people of 32, maybe 47,000 at the height of an army to conquer all of that area. It's almost impossible, yet Alexander the Great, he came and he conquered it all. He was in the final battle of Gogamela, and he won the Persian Empire. The, the empire was actually called Achaemenid Menid Empire, and it was in 331 B.C., and Cyrus the Great is the one who God moved on to release the Judaites or the Jews out of Babylon to rebuild the temple where we read Ezra and Nehemiah. And so the, just as the word of God was saying it was swift and dominion was given to it. Now four heads, you ready? Four heads and four wings. There were four generals at the death of the young Alexander the Great. There's four leading generals were uh, Lysimachus, Ptolemy, Seleucus, and Cassander. And these four generals broke up the whole empire between them. They became four heads, four smaller kingdoms. This is all in history, and the Word of God told it all before it happened. I don't know if I have it. You'll have to excuse Yep, there it is. There's a, oh, I'm pushing the wrong button. I'm not used to these things, so forgive me. Lysimachus, Cassander, Ptolemy, and Seleucus. And look at where the empire reaches out to. Look. And it comes right down there into Egypt as today, and right up around by Greece, and over to Turkey, and goes right over to the Balkan states. So here we have the four kingdoms, or the four provinces, provinces which are led then by four heads, or four generals. And that's why it has four heads and four wings. Simple. God told it before it happened. So here's something to write down and to notice. We're told in verse 7, it stamped the residue with the feet of it and was diverse from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. Let me just get to this. I maybe went a wee bit ahead of myself. Pardon me, I'm on the fourth beast. Forgive me. I'm way ahead of myself. I'm on the wrong page. Here we find this one here has four heads and four wings. Now we're going to go on to the fourth beast. Will you let your eye run down to verse 7? After this I saw in the night visions, behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong as seemingly that had great iron teeth that devoured and break in pieces, and stamp the residue with the feet of it. Notice where it is. It's under the feet. Remember the feet of iron and clay? This is the last kingdom. So it's representing under the feet. Under the feet of it. And was diverse or different from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. Now write this down if you're writing this. Just to line things up. You have in Daniel 2. You have the legs of iron. The pagan Roman empire. In this you have not legs of iron, but iron teeth. So the very metal, the theme of it is still going. You have iron teeth. In Daniel 2 you have the feet, and again as I mentioned, you have the feet in Daniel 7. The feet stomping over. 
So it brings us right down to today. In Daniel 2, you have, it's diverse, and it's the same in Daniel 7. And in Daniel 2, it has 10 toes. But now, instead of mentioning 10 toes of the feet, it has 10 horns. Now look at Daniel 7 and verse 8. And I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in, his horn, in this horn were the eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. Notice the eyes like the eyes of a man and of a mouth speaking great things. Daniel chapter 9, or pardon me, verse 9. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and the wheels as burning fire. Now, I'm going to take my jacket off. I'm getting too warm. Will you turn with me to Revelation chapter 1? Revelation chapter 1. Let your eye run down, please, to John's vision on the Isle of Patmos, to verse 11. So he hears a voice in this, he, the Lord here, John here is saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, and to Thyatira, unto Sardis, to Philadelphia, to Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. Being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. Notice his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, his feet like undefined brass. The word is burnished brass or a burning brass as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as a sound of many waters. What is it that John sees? He sees exactly what Daniel saw in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9. He saw one whose garment was white as snow, his hair of his head was like pure wool, his throne was like a fiery flame, and his wheels as a burning fire. So now you see where Revelation opens all of this up. So, the beast in verse 10, go to verse 10. He sees a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. Go with me to Revelation chapter 20, please. Revelation chapter 20. Let your eye run down again to verse 10. The devil that deceived them was cast into where? The lake of fire. Of fire and brimstone were the beast. Notice the beast. And the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there's found no place for them. Here again, what Daniel saw in the judgment of the beast. Now John says the beast is cast into the lake of fire. 
and all who are not found written in the book of life, that is, who are not saved or cast into this lake of fire also. The beast is there, the dragon's there, the false prophet is there. And you'll find they're in world religion today. We have the beast of Rome that we're going to look at, the European Union and the monetary system as well. We have the false prophet of Islam. Of course, we have the dragon of communism and socialism, Marxism. They're all cast into it. The coming of Christ, the millennium kingdom, they'll be put under his feet. And then at the end of the kingdom, they'll be raised. Those who have died outside of Christ will be raised from the dead. They'll stand before Christ and he will judge the earth. He will be the judge of all the earth. Is everybody still with me? Okay. I'm trying to take it as easy as I can. So notice then, turn with me to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation 13. Okay, and let's just start from verse 1. We're going to do a bit more reading. We're still okay. Verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. Notice, remember I said about the sea? In the book of Daniel, he sees the beast coming from where? Out of the sea. Now Daniel sees it coming out of the sea. Having seven heads, notice the language, ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the names of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like, now notice the beast, the animals here that's mentioned, onto a leopard. And his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth was the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. You know what John is saying here? The very animals, kingdom here that we saw, these, four, these animals and the beast, is all now in this beast coming up out of the sea that John sees. Can you see now how it's all starting to open up? Okay, so stay with me. I want to break this down for you in Revelation 13 because it's very important where we go from here. I'm just trying to get something to mark my page with it. I don't have to flick back and forward and lose it. Okay. Now I notice here, let me just run you through. A beast has seven heads, it has ten horns, it has ten crowns. It's like a leopard, a bear, and a lion, and a dragon. Now, what is the dragon? Turn with me to Revelation chapter 12, just over the page. Revelation chapter 12, you're going to read about a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head were a crown of 12 stars. There are two women mentioned in, in the book of Revelation. One sits on the seven hills. This one is cast into the wilderness. Now, the Roman Catholic Church tend to think that this is Mary for, and, and others uh, who think that the, that the promises that were given on to, that the literal promises that were given on to Israel are now transferred into the church and the replacement theology. They say, well, this is the church. Now, listen, can I ask you a question? Did Jesus give birth to the church or did the church, church give birth to Jesus? Jesus gave birth to the church, isn't that right? So it can't be either of those. It can't be. This woman, and I haven't time to go into it, I'll do a teaching on this another time. This woman is Israel. 
This woman is the scattered we seen. Later on in AD 70, the rest, the remnant of Judah and the Jews, well, they were, or the Jews, they were scattered. So it's they're scattered into the wilderness. The crown of the stars are representing the, the, the tribes of Israel. And you're going to find how this is mimicked as we come into the European Union. The very statues, we're going to show you them. And this is all mimicked. And why? Because everywhere Israel were, Babylon were their arch enemy. It was the mystery religions. And they followed. And so because Israel went west, now the gospel goes west. Because the gospel goes west, Babylon goes west. So simple when we catch this. So notice this. Revelation 12. And let's arrive on down to verse 7. By the way, the sun and the moon and their feet, if you go into the book of Genesis, here's another one who, that proves this is Israel. Remember Joseph comes to his daddy and he says he's had a dream. And he says, the sun and the moon and all the 11 stars, the rest of the stars all bow down to mine. Do you remember? And his daddy says, what, you saying myself and your mother are going to bow down to you? Why? Because he was represented by the sun and the moon. You see, they would have known because Abraham was a, he was a stargazer too. God called them out from the earth of the Chaldees. They used to see the they used to go by the stars like you would see even in all the other heathen religions. But God called them out and started to reveal Himself on to Abraham. So Abraham obviously knew what it meant to have the sun and the moon. And from there we have sun and moon worship of Babylon. Who is the sun and moon worship of Babylon? Well, it's simple because if you go right back into the book of Genesis, Genesis 10 and Genesis 11, we have the Tower of Babel. It's where we get the name Babylon from. And the Lord comes down, remember, and he destroys the Tower of Babel. And Nimrod, the, the, the arch enemy, as it were, of God's people and of God. Well, what happened was Nimrod, he dies. Um, his wife is called Samaramas. Samaramas, uh, she, to keep the, 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 mystical, the mystery religion going, she says that Nimrod is now the sun in the sky. And that she has a baby, and guess what? It's a miraculous birth. And out of that, we get mother and child worship. That's where it comes from. You get mother and child worship. And so she says, this child, and the child was called Tammuz. And Tammuz is the walking through the fires, the coals of fire. Tammuz uh, used to light fires and said, now this is Tammuz's presence on the earth. This was, when you think of it, the son, the, ma, the, the, the baby, and the mother. All of this represents, if, uh, if you want, a, a, a pagan deity of, of Trinity. Everything represented there is now shown how God reveals himself as father, as son, and his Holy Spirit, but the one true living God. Manifest us. Notice here, when we see this, we see Tammuz then says, worship the reincarnated Tammuz, or, uh, Nimrod and, and his son. So they start walking through the fires. That's where this comes from. Mother and child worship starts then later to come into the church. Let's get back to this now. That's where we are with this, okay? So we have the ten toes of Daniel 2. We have ten horns of Daniel 7. 
we have 10 horns in Revelation 13 and 10 crowns. Now here are the 10 toes, or if you want, the 10 horns. Those kingdoms I told you way earlier on, the Goths, the Visigoths, the Ostrogoths, they become little kingdoms. Here's the 10 of them. The Goths, the Ostrogoths, the Visigoths, the Franks, the Vandals, the Suave, the Alans, the Hurule, the Burgundians, and the Lombards. And they took up where you've seen where modern Europe is today, right in to Italy and around Rome. Okay. Rome was attacked. That is pagan Rome, the legs of iron. Rome was attacked in 410 A.D. So after we have the separating of the dying of the dying of Alexander the Great, we have the separating of the heads and all these smaller uh, these four provinces. Along comes the mighty teeth of iron or the legs of iron of the pagan Roman Empire, stomping and crushing everywhere. So here we are here. We have the teeth then of iron in the beast. And in 410 AD, and this is important for, if, I trust that you're all Brexiteers here. This is important, spiritually, historically important, why we should not be within Europe. Now, see what I say about Europe. I'm not talking about the European people here. I'm talking about the system. When I talk about Rome, I'm not talking about the people, the Catholic people. We love them. We, we, we want to see them helped and changed. We want to see, when I talk about the Protestant denominations, I'm talking about the same too. But listen, in 410 AD, the, the Goths and the Visigoths came and attacked Rome, the pagan empire. Rome came under such pressure, they sent back, remember Hadrian's Wall was right up between Scotland is and England. They sent back and withdrew all of their troops out of Britain to come and defend Rome. And so they come out, they defend Rome. And listen, in 66 years they were out of Britain. And Rome, the pagan empire, fell to those tribes. It's a deadly wound. You see it now? It's not some way down the road thing, deadly wound. It's happened. I'm trying to do my maths in my head. By the way, I give you a wrong reading in the very part one. I know you maybe didn't recognize it, but I did, and it's killed me ever since, and I meant to say to you, I'll rectify it when I get a chance. 410 AD, they came to Rome. In 476 AD, Rome fell. Okay? Rome fell. Britain was out of the Roman Empire for 66 years before the collapse of Babylon, Rome. Now you're going to see where you are tonight. You're at Babylon, Rome, in the European Union. The Bible says, we're going to look at it, Babylon the Great is fallen. It's fallen. Now, the European Union is going to fall. Britain needs out. Because when it falls, the Christ that comes from it, Christ is going to come and he's going to sort the whole lot of them out. I'm talking about the people now. I'm talking about those who are in power. 
the system of things. So can you see even here in time how God had written out 66 years before the collapse of Rome? In Revelation 13 and 3, Revelation 13 and 3, says, And I saw one of the heads, as it were, wounded to death, and this deadly wound was healed, and all the world wandered after the beast. So now there's a healing comes to this deadly wound. And all the world wandered after the beast. The ten horns of Daniel 7 and verse 8, we also read of those ten horns. There's another little horn comes up out of it, speaking great things. Notice that, speaking great things. Now look at Revelation 13 and verses 4 and 5. And they worshipped the dragon. Revelation 12 tells us the dragon is the devil, okay? Revelation 13, they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things. Now, Daniel 7 and 8 speaks of this horn with eyes like a man coming up, this now new leader coming up. And he looks like a man. He looks perfectly well. But he's speaking great things. Now in Revelation 13, out of this beast, we're told, Speaking great things. So, hold on, they'll find him. <coughs> there he is there. And stay with me. There he's gathering the leaders of the world into Europe. Oh, but that's just all the leaders of the world, is it? Watch. There's your ecumenical movement. He's the first Jesuit pope. Here's something you need to do. Go and do your homework on the main leaders of Europe. And all of them, I think, by memory, barred two, were trained in Jesuit schools. Trained in Jesuit schools. Time's nearly gone. Who, can we go on a wee bit longer? Yes. We're all right going a bit longer. Okay. I don't want to worry us out, you know. Notice this. This deadly wound is healed. Starts speaking great things. Now you look, there's every religion from Orthodox there. You have rabbis, you have everything there. Hindu, Muslim, Shinto, Buddhist. Look who's up there. Look. Who's that? That's the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby. I know I'm out of touch with them anyhow. But you know what? I'm in touch with him. So are you. That's why we're in touch with him. Speaking great things. And this is what's known as the little horn in Daniel 7, the little horn of the west. There's two little horns. I'm definitely going to have to do one more night because there's a little horn of the east I haven't even got there yet. The little horn of the west is... Oh, there he is. Now let's look at something else here then. In Revelation 13... Notice what it says 
There are seven heads on this beast. Notice, let your eye run down to verse 4, I think. Pardon me, verse 1. And I stood in the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads, ten horns. Seven heads. Pagan Rome, the legs of iron, the teeth of iron, Pagan Rome had seven forms of government. Now, Papal Rome comes, and they actually take up the seven hills of Rome. Now, there are seven hills in Jerusalem, but here there are seven hills of Rome. But the hill of the Vatican isn't counted in those seven original hills. There's another little hill outside, and what Pope Leo IV did was he sat on the hill of Vaticanus, and he built the Vatican, and he walled right off as if he's sitting on the seven hills. He built the Vatican, sitting on the seven hills. So now let's look at this. Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17. Okay. There came one of the seven angels, which had seven vials, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. The inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in, me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven horns, heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of the abominations and filthiness of fornication. So this woman is arrayed in gold or scarlet. There she is there in, in pictorial form. So now she is arrayed in scarlet and purple. Notice the colors. Purple, scarlet. Purple, scarlet. How more direct can you get? Now, stay with me while I read this to you. The seven heads and the ten horns here. Verse 9, let your eye run down also. We'll come back to that other bit. Right there, I run down also. It says in verse 9, And here in the mind which hath wisdom, the seven heads are, what does it say? Seven mountains. The Bible is explaining it for you. On which the woman sitteth. Now, we might also say, what are the waters then? Remember the beast in Daniel coming out of the sea and the waters? And there's a, now the beast in Revelation coming out of the sea and the waters? People say, oh, it's going to, there's going to be big beasts and all coming out of the sea and the waters. Listen, let the Bible speak for itself. Let your eye run down to verse 15. And he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations 
and tongues. <laughs> That's what it is. They're coming out of the people, the nations. The Bible will interpret itself. We don't need to throw it away out somewhere else. Okay, so we have 10 kings with 10 toes, 10 horns, 10 crowns, which become the 10 territories of Europe. By the way, the name Europe, um, it's made up of two words, is Uri's and Op. Uri's and Op. Uri's means wide. Uri's means the broad face off. Okay? Wide, the broad face off. And Op means to see as an optician. We go to have our eyes checked, optician. So it's the eye. Notice the terms. The eye that looks across the broad face of Europe. Sound familiar? Now, Europa is where we get the name Europe from. Europa was uh, a Phoenician. Uh, Phoenicians, the Phoenicians were, were Lebanon would be roughly around there today. And Europa was, um, in Greek mythology, Europa was, uh, um, she was like a, a princess goddess of the mystery religions. Zeus, the god, the chief god or the head god of the Greeks came. He, dis he disguised himself as a bull or some form of beast. He puts her on his back and he takes her. Now, this is Greek mythology, obviously, but it's not, you know, don't, don't take this literally. He puts her on his back and he takes her to Crete where he shows himself as this great so-called god and he rapes her. In fact, down through then other, without going into them all, the, her, per, her children then have, as it were, children. That's where you get the centaur from, half man and a half bull. And so then it goes into Europe and they take this over from Greece into the legs of iron, from the bronze of the brass into the legs of iron. And so they lay hold on this goddess who has been raped by this God, Zeus, the bull, who eyes over the broad face of it. And so, why the wrong way, am I? This is outside Strasbourg, European headquarters. Where's the woman on the bull? That's Europa. There's the bull. This is Zeus. See here? There's 10 of these rings, okay? 10 steel rings for the tail end of the God for Zeus. Notice this. Sorry, I'm flicking through, but it's... See here, if you count these, these rings, 10 to the unfinished one. In other words, their 10 kingdom hasn't finished yet. They're looking to do it. 10 crowns. 10 horns. Ten toes. Can you see it all coming now in other symbol form, symbolic form? I stay. This is an artist's impression of the Tower of Babel from the book of Genesis we talked about. Look what it says here. Europe, many tongues, one voice. Remember God scattered them? You know what Europe's bringing them together? What's he doing? He's, they're bringing them. One world government. A new world order. And they're saying we'll bring them together. We'll give them one voice. They're building the Tower of Babel. 
the Babylonian Empire. Now, oh, I'll go to you some more time. So what we have is, in 1957, we had what was known as the Treaty of Rome that was signed. Okay? This is important. The Treaty of Rome was signed at the beginning, if you want, for the European Economic Community, the EEC. And well, wait, let me see if I can show you this one. Here we have, this is now not the original. I think I have a picture of the original somewhere. Oh, get the him another time too. Get the him another time. We'll do them maybe next week. Stay with me. Yeah, okay. Now I see where this is. This is now, a, 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 this was last year. And what they were doing is they're getting together to commemorate in Rome Commemorate in Rome, see where St. Peter is, it's meant to be. Look with his, see the satanic hands yesterday, no? See this crown here? This crown is what's known as the triple crown. The Pope wears that. Philippians chapter 2 says, Wherefore, speaking of his Son, God hath also given him the Lord Jesus, the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Isn't that right? But this is where it reads. Of things in heaven, of things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Is not what it says? So the triple crown is that the Pope resides in the place of Christ. He is the Lord of the heaven, the earth, and the under earth. That's what that means. Now the the place where this is what's known as a cap- Capitoline or Capitolone Hill, okay? The Capitolonum was the original uh, Latin name for it. And do you know what it means? The Temple of Jupiter. So the Treaty of Rome for Europe was signed in the Temple of Jupiter. Now, Jupiter in Rome is the same equivalent god as where? Zeus in Greece. Same God as they call him. And so we find that this Treaty of Rome was signed and the Catholic Herald, and this is the Catholic Herald, the 13th of May, just 2016. This is what they say. It is a bit of a cliche to see the church as a successor to the Roman Empire, but cliches contain more than a grain of truth sometimes. Outside of their own mouth. Okay. So, we have Europa, Europe. Do you know there's a moon that revolves around the planet Jupiter? Do you know what they've called it? Europa. Europa, Jupiter is Zeus. Everybody with me there? Jupiter is Zeus. They have signed this at the temple of Jupiter or Zeus. They have Zeus outside the buildings of Strasbourg with the woman riding the speech, Europa. And now the planetary system is Jupiter with Europa, one of the moons around it. The whole broad face of the thing. Can you see what they're doing? I'm going to close and we'll go into Daniel chapter 8 next week because there's a ram. We're going to go back in time again. 
It brings you right back into where we are today. We're going to look at Antiochus Epiphanes making his pig soup and pouring it over the temple altar. So let me finish here. When you read Revelation 17, please turn, and this is our closing thought here. Verse 5. It says, And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great. Notice how this has come right through time now. John's in the New Testament writing it for our time. It is Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints, with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Now, if this happens when the church is raptured away, how can this woman be drunk with the blood of the martyrs? It's happened at the Reformation. The gospel went west. Why? Because Israel went west. It all fits in, doesn't that make sense? Paul was going to go east and the Holy Spirit forbade him and said, go west. So we have the woman riding the beast on the two euro. I think this is maybe the Greek one. Here's others, look. Woman riding the beast. And there's the European Union. There's Britain. You'll scrub that wee bit out there. <laughs> Here they are commemorating it. All of the nations of Europe and all the leaders of Europe. And who's at the top? The Papa himself. You trying to tell me he's not trying to bring in a new world order and a one world government? Now this goes further. This goes into economical. This goes into... These are Edomite Jewish bankers. Look, Britain, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, CIA. Look, even Israel, or the Israelite state, Boko Haram, they're all feeding off them. This is who really is running the whole shebang. Do you know what's actually said that they have, is it something like 30 trillion pounds of family? Trillion. They're richer than the countries of the world. We're going to look at that next week. That's another little horn of the east. Oh, we'll not look there. It's the night time. And then we'll look, look at this. So Pope Francis, the Quran and the Holy Bible are the same. Jesus Christ, Muhammad, Jehovah, Allah, we are all children of God regardless of the name we choose to address him by. We can accomplish miraculous things. Oh, sounds like the scripture, doesn't it? In the world by merging our faiths. And the time for such a movement is now. No longer shall we slaughter our neighbors over differences and references to their God. 
Recently, he said it's dangerous to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Just last week, he announced that his word is above the very word of God. So, that will do for tonight. I want to thank you for your attention. I'm sure I had a whole lot there to give you, but we'll look at more. Maybe we could turn that off, Andrew, thank you. We'll have a whole lot more to give you to show you next week. Here's where I want to finish. And I'll do it some other night. I, I, I'm, I don't want to just keep giving you big, long meetings like this where you're maybe text. Is the God of Israel and the God of Islam the same God? No. No. Our God has a name. It's not Allah. The name of our God is Jesus. Yahshua HaMashiach. Jesus the Messiah. Anyone, no matter where you're from, I want to emphasize it, no matter what religion, what background you're from, I told you before, it doesn't matter if you're the biggest prod about. It doesn't matter if you're the greatest loyalist Ulster has ever seen. It doesn't matter what you are or what you do and you think you are. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're as lost as everybody else we've seen tonight. You're as lost. Our race, our nationality, our works, our denomination, our religion, listen, does not save you. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must. Not you might have to. We'll see how you get on. You must. Must be born again. What is the thing that will unite us for a true one-word government? The coming of Christ and the Holy Ghost in us. That's what's going to unite us. Time is well gone, and you have sat so patiently with me. <laughs>